your voice in the spirit tonight. Kibra kasayat sanda. Sustana kasita kastam rakasayat sanda. Lift your voice tonight. Bresom brokosoyat sati ashtana kasambra. For know ye not that you belong to me. You do not belong to this world. You belong to me. You are my property. I created you out of my own voice. You are mine. And the good news is I am yours. Hallelujah. Somebody give praise to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Well, God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Amber and all the team up there. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. The camels are coming. I like that. The camels are coming. You know, uh, Isaac was the first smoker. When he saw Rebecca, he leaped off. He he lit lit up a camel. He lit off a camel. Lord, that was terrible, wasn't it? My children say I tell the worst jokes. <laughs> I heard about the story of this uh, man that went to prison. And the first night, the lights out, all the cells locked. And someone in the prison yelled out, 37. And the whole prison just burst into laughter. A few minutes later, somebody yelled out, 46. And the whole prison burst out in laughter. A little later, 17, and the whole person just started laughing. And he said to his cellmate, what's going on here? Well, he said, we've been in here so long that we've memorized all the jokes. (laughs) (laughs) And we've numbered them. (laughs) So we don't tell the joke, we just give the number, we all know what it is, so we, you know. (laughs) So after a few months, he studied hard and learned the jokes and decided he would try to tell the joke himself. So one night after lights were out and the doors were locked, he yelled out, 26. Nobody laughed. Oh, no. (laughs) And then he yelled out, 92. No one laughed. 75. No one laughed. He turned to his cellmate and said, I don't understand. What's the problem? He said, well, some people know how to tell a joke and some people don't. Open your Bibles tonight to Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. I had a plan for tonight, but the Lord started changing it when I got back to the pastor study. Between the study and here, uh, the Lord gave me some new information, okay? Is it all right if I just be a little flexible tonight and just kind of roll with it, all right? Somebody who has pain right in your right in the center of your back, the upper center of your back. Whoever you are, stand up right now. You're in the center, upper part of your back. You have pain right now. Where are you? Stand up. God's healing your back right now. Where's that person? Where are you? Stand up. You got right in the center of your back. Is it you? Up high. Is that right? Up between your shoulder blades. Loose it in the name of Jesus. Now just start doing whatever you could not do. You're going to find all that pain you had is gone. Till it's gone? Yeah, yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. That's the operation of the word of knowledge. Uh, Pastor Amber was asking me how how that operates in me. Well, 
I, first of all, I feel something. Uh -huh. I feel it. Mm -hmm. And then I see in the spirit what I felt. Okay. And then I say what I felt and saw. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as you were up here ministering uh, at the beginning of the service, all of a sudden this tremendous pain came into the in my forearm and in my left arm. And I knew immediately what it was because I saw someone in the spirit who had injured their arm. It was her yeah. and, and the Lord's healing her. And then all just, just now I got this sharp pain between my shoulder blades. Huh. And so I knew, I knew in the spirit what was happening. That's why I, that's why I stopped. And, and you know what? I never can tell when that's going to happen. And I don't want to try to predict it. You know? Now I've told God what to do. And I've told him how to do it. And I've told him when to do it. And I've told him where to do it. And he has never done it my way once. I've got news. I'm not in charge. And I'm not in charge at home either. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Isaiah 43, verses 18 19. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? It'll spring forth. Make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How do you get over your past? How do you get past your past? A lot of people are struggling with that today. And if you were talking back in the room, the Lord reminded me of that scripture. And reminded me that, uh, that I needed to say something a little bit different than what I was planning on earlier. That happens to us who minister. Uh, the Lord changes us and we've got to be flexible. Amen. And we've got to learn how to go with what God wants. That's right. You know. Uh, I got some notes this afternoon in, in my hotel room that I had written down uh, a, a few weeks ago. And I'm going to show them to you because I couldn't read them. <laughs> you see that? I, I couldn't, I had to call, I had to call home and ask Lindsay if she could remind me what I wrote down. I can't read a word and that's my handwriting. I told you this morning how bad my handwriting is. I can't read what I wrote because I write so fast. I cannot read. I, I, I need someone to interpret tongues when I write. And I'm, I may get to some of that a little bit later on, but I want to deal with this first, uh, but first, because there may be someone here tonight who's dealing with the past. I was preaching uh, years ago. I was preaching for Brother Carl Strader down in Lakeland, Florida. Carl was a member of our board of directors, and, and that's where the joy of the Lord broke out into my life in 1993 okay. when I had uh, just been elected president of the university, and they marched me down the aisle and, and put the medallion around my neck and declared me as the second president of the university and handed me the $40 million debt. Oh, Merry Christmas. And Yeah, Merry Christmas. And... Um, and I, I was really, I was really suffering uh, over that, and, and I, I was dealing with so many different things. And uh, but uh, I, I was preaching at, at Brother Strader's church, and uh, at the at the close of the service, I gave an altar call, and there were about nine or ten people in the service that came forward to give their hearts to the Lord. When I looked down at them, I, I had them pray a sinner's prayer. But before I did, I noticed there was a man who was on the end of the aisle there who had come forward to ask for prayer. And I looked at him and I blinked to see if I was imagining things. And I saw two words on his forehead. Wow. Now, I've never seen that before. I've never seen words in, 
printed on someone's forehead. I saw the past on his forehead. And I blinked hard to see if I was seeing things. Well, I was seeing in the spirit. I saw the past on his face. And all of a sudden, the Lord reminded me that earlier in the service, Brother Strader had brought a young couple with a new baby. I see a baby here tonight. A new baby up for dedication. And the baby had on a beautiful christening gown, a beautiful white gown. And they brought the baby up and, and the pastor took the baby in his arms and, and uh, talked to her and, and then anointed her with oil and uh, prayed over her and dedicated her to the Lord. And the Lord reminded me and said, find where that couple is. Well, I thought maybe they might be back in the nursery, but they weren't. They were in the, in the, back, of the, in the back of the church. And I said, where's that couple that has the baby? And so they identified themselves and said, bring the baby down here. Of course, everyone wondered what in the world I was going to do because I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> and when they brought the baby down, I said, may I hold the child? I said, I've, I've raised five daughters. I, I understand. I can, I, can, I can handle a baby. Yeah. So I took the little, little child in my arms and I, I began to, to compliment her on how beautiful her dress was and how nice she looked. And then I looked at her with a stern look and I said, now, young lady, I want to talk to you about your past. Oh, wow. Come on. And she just, you know, looked at me and then I said oh you don't have any past and I turned to this man and said and neither do you suddenly those two words just disappeared from his forehead as if they just were with a a magic marker eraser and he broke into tears and gave his heart to the Lord gave his uh, prayed along with everyone else so many people today are dealing with the past The past, the past. How do you get past your past? Um, I was telling the story this morning, the testimony of how Lindsay and I got married, and you remember all that this morning. Um, We wanted to have children, and uh, Lindsay had been given a diagnosis at 18 that she had endometriosis. Now, you women know what that means. That means you, you can get pregnant, but you can't stay pregnant. And so she had, by this time, she had already had at least two, if I remember, two or maybe three miscarriages. And it was getting, getting pretty rough. And then when she was able to carry a baby full time, full term, I should say, uh, and gave birth to a beautiful little boy, uh, which, whom we named Richard Oral. Uh, within 36 hours, he developed a breathing problem in the hospital in the intensive care unit. And with everyone we knew praying a hole in heaven, he died in my arms. And she looked at me and she said, don't you ever ask me to get pregnant again. Well, who could blame her? She'd been through two or three miscarriages and now a dead son. I was on my way, uh, preparing to go, I should say, preparing to go on my way to Nigeria for a crusade in in Africa. And uh, this was in 1983, 83, 84, 84, in January of 84. And... uh, I said to her after the funeral service, I said, I'm, I'm going to cancel my trip uh, because I, I don't know how to handle this. So many people are dealing with situations that happened in the past. Right. Yeah, right. And uh, I said, I'm going to cancel. She said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, honey, I, I'm going to cancel. She said, no, you must not cancel. People over there are depending upon you and I'm going with you. Mm, wow. And I said, no, Lindsay, you can't do that. You've just not only just given birth, but we just buried our son. She said, no, I'm going with you. And she said, our healing is in Nigeria. Mm. Come on. 
And so we went uh, to three cities and had huge crusades. Uh, one night in, in the city of Jos, we had 100,000 people. And in that night, 25,000 Muslims gave their heart to the Lord. And there were so many miracles, so many miracles that happened in those services. Uh, uh, the Muslim leaders afterwards would not uh, pass a new law. They were going to let anyone else come in to minister in that city in northern Nigeria, way up north near the border. And uh, we ministered to a lot of people on that trip who had lost children. Well, we didn't think we could get through this. And, of course, she had said to me, don't ever ask me to get pregnant again. Yeah. But by the end of the crusade, she was saying, let's try one more time. Yeah. Come on. And uh, Jordan came along, and then Catherine Olivia came along, <laughs> and Chloe Elizabeth came along. <laughs> Chloe we call Oral Roberts in a dress. <laughs> She's our little fireball. She little, she would line her dolls up against the wall and lay hands on them and knock them to the ground. <laughs> and then she'd lay hands on them and raise them up. <laughs> she helps me uh, with, uh, with my research for sermons and helps me with all the healing testimonies that I read on the air. She's the youngest of the three. I, 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 I think, I can't tell you how many times in that child's life I said no. <laughs> You who have children, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? How many times you say no? But one day I said to her, what part of no don't you understand? She said, the O. <laughs> but so many people uh, deal with, with the past. And Lindsay wanted to try one more time. And, of course, we have these three beautiful daughters now. All are involved in our ministry. I'm so glad we tried again. Amen. It's easy to park beside your failures. Now I'm talking to somebody tonight. It's easy to park beside your failures. But David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He did not stop in the valley. He did not park in the middle of the valley. He moved forward. Now there you can move three ways in life. You can move forward, you can move sideways, laterally, or you can move backwards. And I prefer to move forward. Uh, I, I, am a, I am an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. Uh, my balloon doesn't land. You know, I'm always expecting a miracle. I grew up in a family where a mother, my mother, would hear the telephone ring and she would say, is this my miracle? Or someone would knock on the door and she would say, is this my miracle? Yeah. Or uh, someone would send a letter and the mail would come to the house and she would say, is, is this my answer? Is this my, my miracle inside this envelope? Yeah. My mother always expected a miracle. And my father, Earl Roberts, is the one who coined the phrase, expect a miracle. Yeah. I don't remember if I've told the story uh, uh, here or not, but it, it bears repeating if I haven't. And that is back when I was a boy... My father stretched his tent in Miami, Florida. And there was a group of atheists in Miami who vowed to close the crusade down and to arrest my father on a charge of practicing medicine without a license. <laughs> and my father was very concerned because they vowed that was the night they were coming to destroy the tent and to arrest. It was, they called it a citizen's arrest in those days. He was very concerned about it. Uh, 
he knew that there was another evangelist in that day who had had the same thing happen, and they actually arrested him and got him in jail for a couple of hours. They couldn't make the charges stick, but still the word went out. And my father was concerned that the media uh, would get a hold of it, and that word would go all over the world, Oral Roberts arrested. And you know, right. how, you know how the media is. That's all they say. They don't, they don't fill in the details, and right. the people think the wrong thing. So he was very concerned about that. And so his custom was, when we children were along, and I was there on that trip, his custom was that he would rent two hotel rooms with an adjoining door. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, my mother and my sister and I would have to go into the other room and close the door and be quiet because at 3 o'clock, my dad was going to take a short nap and then awaken, get his Bible, study, and prepare for the evening service. And that's something that we got used to as we grew up when we went on those crusades, and we went hundreds of times. So this particular afternoon, uh, we went into the other room, and we had to be very quiet while Daddy was taking a nap and studying. And uh, as he fell asleep, he was awakened by a hand on his shoulder. And he thought that it was my mother, but it was not. It was the Lord. The Lord walked into his room and took him by the shoulder and said, Oral Roberts, expect a miracle. Huh. Praise God. I have not heard that. And that's where that phrase began. Huh. Amen. That group of atheists didn't show up that night. <laughs> Amen. One of the greatest crusades of his ministry. Expect a miracle. And he came on television and began saying, expect a miracle. Expect the supernatural outpouring of the Lord to come into your life. You know, it's easy to expect what has happened in the past to happen again. It's easy. But if you want something that you've never had, you're going to have to do something that you've never done before. And it's time to begin to expect a miracle. And it's time to bury the ghost. Some of you are being haunted by things that have happened in the past. Look, everyone has had things that have happened. Things happen. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. Things happen. And they happen to to people uh, who who love the Lord, people who don't love the Lord. Things happen. I I heard Brother Jerry Savell, I know he's ministered here. Uh, Brother Jerry used to tell me the story of how he was walking through a shopping mall in Dallas one day and there was an African-American man who was walking through the, the mall and he had on white slacks and a white jacket and a white shirt and a white tie and a white hat and a white cane and a white flower in his lapel. And he was just strutting through the mall. Everyone was watching him. Everyone was watching. He just was strutting along as he went uh, his way down uh, past the stores until he came to the escalator. And he stepped onto the escalator and began to strut down the escalator when he slipped and fell and tumbled all the way down to the floor. Everyone wanted to know what he was going to do. And he picked himself up and said, well, all right. (laughs) You know, it's not how you fall. It's how you get up. And some of you haven't gotten up in a long time. Because you've been down. You've been hurting. You look great on the outside, but inside... You know, you're paddling with all you got because of your past. There's only one thing you can do with your past, and that's give it to God. I can't go back and correct 
things in my past. Now, sometimes with people, I can go and correct things. I can, I can repent and I can ask God to forgive me. And you know, repentance is not a change of heart. Repentance is a change of mind. That's right. You can't change your heart, but God will not change your mind. Hello, that's so good. Repentance is a change. It, it is a change of the positioning of your mind. Repentance is taking your mind, which has been in control, and putting it under subjection to your spirit the way that you were created. I've had to learn that through the years because I don't know about you, but I've made some mistakes in my life. Anybody here ever made a mistake? Put your hand up. You ever made more than one mistake? Put up both your hands. Rex, I won't ask you to raise your feet. He's <laughs> perfect. Praise God. I don't think we have any Mary Poppins in here tonight, you know, practically perfect in every way. I, I don't, I don't, I'm looking at you. I don't think so. Everyone is riding with a secret. Every one of you, you've got something that you don't want anybody to know that's been in your past. Well, tonight's a good night to give it to God. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and I'll make a river in the desert. That's one of the most powerful scriptures that I've ever read. When we came home from that trip from Nigeria, after those crusades in those three cities and all the miracles that we had, and, and Lindsay said, let's try one more time, and those children came forth, something fresh and new happened in my life. I've had those times in my life when, I, when I've been through things and, and it looked like I was down, it looked like I was out. But you know what? I am a survivor. I ought to be on that television show, Survivor. Because I have survived a lot in my life. So many people have thought so many times that, I have, that I'm down and I'm out and I'm never getting up. But you know what? I just refuse to quit. Because I know, I know there's a prize out there. Be not weary in your well-doing, for you shall reap in due season if you don't quit. And there's no quitting in me. This is not going the way I planned it tonight. Doesn't matter, I can't read my notes anyway. I may get to that scripture, I will see what happens tonight. Is it okay if I just be me tonight? You know, I got on my Christmas jacket tonight. My wife and my daughters uh, found this jacket and they had it 50% off and Lindsay had a 20% discount. You know, she's Lebanese. She never paid retail in her life for anything. You know. I took her into a store once and she saw a dress that she wanted and she started marching around the little table that it was on. She marched around it and calling it hers and, and called, you know, calling it to be hers. And, and finally the storekeeper came over and saw her and said, what are you doing? She said, I'm marching this until you, around until you lower the price. And the lady said, just to get you out of here, how much do you want to pay? <laughs> and Lindsay told her and she said, well, just buy it and get out of here. <laughs> My wife is like that. I'll tell you what, don't mess with her when it comes to sales. <laughs> Hallelujah. She says, you know, the woman who dies is the one who has the most shoes. <laughs> Wins the prize. <laughs> oh, glory to God. 
Well, what shall we do next? <laughs> Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we take that thing that's in the past, that ghost of a thing that's haunting us, and Lord, we surrender it to you. Lord, there's nothing that we can do about it, but you can do something. And we can make a fresh start. Okay, Lord, I see how I can tie that together now. Yes, thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that there are those tonight who will say, Lord, I'm giving this up to you. Why don't you just pray that with me out loud? Lord, Lord I give this up to you. I can't carry it. Only you can carry it. Only you can handle the past. And so I put the past in the past. And like Paul said, I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, Paul was an accessory to murder. He stood by and held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. Today, he would be convicted as an accessory to murder. And yet, look how God used him when he put the past in the past. That's, right. That's why he said, I don't consider myself to have arrived, but this one thing I do, I put the past in the past, and I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Are you in a hurry tonight? Okay. When I was a boy, I would go into my father's closet and I would get his heavy winter coat and I would put it on. And it was too big for me. The sleeves came way down here and the coat dragged the floor and it was heavy because I wasn't mature enough. I had not grown up enough for that coat to fit. Um, but the day came uh, when he and I were the same size. That day came because I, I grew up, I matured, my body developed. Yep. The day came, but there was a time when that coat didn't fit me. And after I became president of the university, after serving in so many other different roles for years before that, Lindsay and I were hosting a nightly uh, live television program called Something Good Tonight, The Hour of Healing. We did that for about 10 or 12 years. And there was a prophet from Australia who came over and was a guest on the program. And afterwards, we went back into our little green room for a little time of prayer and fellowship and something to eat. And he said, uh, Richard, it's time for you to put on a bigger coat. Yeah. Come on. Amen. And I said, what do you mean? He said, Richard, the coat that you're wearing is not the coat of the future. It's the coat of the past. And I said, well, can you explain? He was prophesying as he said this. And he said, yes. In the spirit, I see a group of angels. And they're loitering around you. And I said, angels loitering? He said, yes. They're loitering around you. I said, why? He said, because you have not released them and called in the new group of angels to guard, guide, protect, and direct you. Come on. And he said, you're not going to get that new group of, of angelic host around you until you thank that group of angels that have protected you and been with you all these years. Thank them and release them and call in that new group of angels. Well, I've never heard of anything like that in my life. Yeah, sure. 
And he said, you also need to put on a bigger coat. And he said, you can do more than you're doing. You can do more. Yes, sir. And so, uh, not really knowing what else to do, uh, I said, well, uh, I speak to the angelic group that has been guarding me, guiding me all my life, and I thank you for, for what you've done. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that angels are ministering spirits for us, yes. not to us, but for us. Yes. That means we can command them to go do things. We can dispatch them. Yes. And so I've done that many times, and I said, I thank you. I thank God for you, and I release you. And I call in a new group of angels that are stronger and bigger to take me into my future. And uh, he said, yes, I, I see this group leaving now. And now here comes the new group, and they're bigger, and they're stronger, and they're more well-armed. And they will take you now through the rest of your life. Wow, and he said, it's time for you to put on a bigger coat. When he said those words... Something hit my shoulders, and I slumped. I was sitting down at the time. I slumped. It felt like somebody had put their hands on my shoulders and pushed me down. Something landed on my shoulders, and I, I slumped down, and I said, what's that? He said, that's the bigger coat that I'm talking about. Amen. He said, that's a new level of anointing than you've ever known. I said, it's heavy. He said, yes, it's heavy. But he said, you'll get used to it. So you can carry it. And I got to thinking about you this afternoon as I was sitting in my hotel room. You need a bigger coat for what God's called you to do. Every one of you has something that you've not yet done for God. And you know it. And you've been holding on to it perhaps for months, perhaps for years, wondering how, God, God, you don't, you don't seem to understand what I've been through. Uh -huh. And you might say to me, Richard, you don't understand what, 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 what's happened in my past. Well, I got news. You don't know what happened to me either. Hello, right. I just didn't let it stop me. Amen. And some of you have been stopped and literally thwarted yes. Come on. because of what's happened in the past and you think you can't do what God has called you to do and that's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. That's right. That's the devil talking. That's not God talking. Amen. There's nothing too hard for God. That's right. Nothing too hard for him to do in your life. If you'll just say yes, Lord, and say God, tonight I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to put that bigger coat on. And I'm going to accomplish what you have shown me to do. You say, is it that simple? Yes, if you say yes, it is. You know, we make, we make the, the simplest things hard. We try to analyze it. We try to figure it out. We try to, to dot every I and cross every T when, when it's just a matter of surrendering and saying, yes, Lord. If you just say yes, it just stops all the argument. That's right. And all the problem, just say yes. yes Lord. And say, Lord, I'll take that bigger I'll coat that because I know I can do more. Amen. I can. <laughs> there used to be a man, every time my dad and I built a building together, there was a man in Tulsa who would come out and say, well, it's great, but you can do better. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we say, do you know how many millions of dollars we raised to build that building? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. you can do better. <laughs> and the next building we built, he, he'd come out and say, well, it's great, you can do better. We got so mad at him, you know. Yeah. 
We're out here trying to do God's work. What do you mean you can do better? Well, you can do better. That's right. You know, you're talking about going from glory to glory. Glory to glory is not staying here. Yes. Glory to glory is, is going higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Yes, sir. It's like the story that I heard about that farmer that had a mule, and the mule just brayed and was so loud and he couldn't sleep, so he took the mule and put him in a well. He thought, I won't be able to hear him down there. But sure enough, every time he brayed, he could still hear him. And so he started taking his trash and dumping it on his head in the well. And every time he dumped trash on it, the mule would just step on the trash and came up a little bit higher. <laughs> and he would dump more trash on it, and the mule would step on it a little higher. And he would dump trash on his head, and he'd step up a little higher. Pretty soon he walked out of the well. Yeah. And you may have had a lot of trash dumped on you. Amen. Well, excuse me for saying that, but get over yourself. Come on. Yes, sir. What are you waiting on? Right. Well, the Lord's coming next week. Well, who told you that? Where does it say that? I know there are people who say it's coming in June. It's not true. The reason is because this gospel of the kingdom has not yet been preached in all nations as a witness. That's got to happen first. Even Jesus doesn't know when the, the, the second coming is. Only the Father knows. Stop trying to figure everything out. Just say, God, I'm willing and I'm able and I'll do what you say do. It's time to put on a bigger coat. And you can do it. You can put on a bigger coat. Look at the life of Joseph. If you look in the, I think, what is the 41st to 42nd chapter in that area of Genesis, you see the story of Joseph. And I know you know the story of Joseph. Joseph was, uh, Joseph was, uh, was Jacob's favorite. He was the 11th child. And he was born in, in Jacob's old age. And he was his favorite and, uh, and Jacob favored him by giving him a very special coat that uh, was of many colors. And of course, his brothers were very jealous and didn't help any fact that the fact that, that uh, Joseph was a dreamer and he saw prophetic visions of the future and he would make a mistake and tell his parents and tell his brothers about what he saw and they got very angry at him because yeah. he saw them bowing down to him and they didn't like that. And one day when they were in the field, they decided they were gonna kill him and they, they stripped him of his coat and threw him in a pit. Yep. And they were going to take the blood of an animal and, and uh, mark it all up. And, and, uh, and they were going to kill, kill uh, Joseph and, and tell their father that a wild animal had killed him. Uh -huh. But being good Jewish men, they saw a caravan coming. Right. Good Jewish businessmen. And they, yeah, and, uh, they saw a financial uh, out of it. You know? And so they sold him to a caravan heading to Egypt. Joseph wore a number of different coats in his life. First of all, he wore the coat of a son. He was a son. But selling, being sold into, into slavery in Egypt, he became the, the, um, uh, the, the, the foreman, you should say, of a, of a household of a man by the name of Potiphar. And he became the son of, of a slave, slavery. And he rose, though. You can't keep a good man, a good woman down. That's right. When you have the spirit of God in you, you're just going to keep rising. Even when somebody puts you down, you're going to rise up. Like you take a rubber ball and you hold it down underwater, you can hold it down there for half an hour, but if you let it go, it's going to spring up into the air. That's, right. That's how we are made. We're made like that because we're made in the image of God and we have a way of springing back. 
And so Joseph wore that, wore that coat for a while until Potiphar's wife made sexual advances toward him and he refused, you know. She rolled her baby blue eyes at him and she picked him up and he picked him up and rolled him right back at her, you know. And he did not accept her sexual advances and she told a lie. And before you know it, in a mock trial, he was in prison. That's where he became the son of a slave. And, and, and while he was in prison, he was still interpreting dreams. God, God had, a, God had a, a way for him and he interpreted dreams of several men and said to them, when you get out of here, remember me. But they forgot him. And he just continued to languish in prison. And some of you feel like you've been languishing, you know, month after month and year after year and what you've been going through. Well, that happened to Joseph. But he never quit. No matter what he did, he kept rising. He became the number one prisoner, the aide to the warden in the prison. And one day Pharaoh had a dream. And nobody could interpret it. None of his wise men, uh, none of the one, his one 900 number people, nobody could interpret the dream. Right. And somebody remembered there was a man in prison who could interpret dreams and, and they called on Joseph and Joseph was shaved and they put a clothes on him and he went in uh, before the Pharaoh and you know what happened. He heard the dream and he said, I have the interpretation. There'll be seven years of, of great plenty in Egypt followed by seven years of famine and you need to find somebody to gather in all the food stores to prepare for the famine. And Pharaoh was so pleased with the, with the, uh, with the dream interpretation that he found a coat, a new coat, and he put it on Joseph. That's right. And he made him prime minister of the nation. Praise God. He went from the pit to a prison to the palace. Come on. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God is no respecter of persons. Right. And Joseph saved not only Egypt, but he saved Israel. Amen. And he saved his family. Yes. And Pharaoh was so pleased with his family that he gave him an entire suburb. That's right. He gave him Goshen. You know, some of you have been through some hellacious situations. But it's about time to give it to God. It's about time to surrender it and say, God, I'm going to start fresh and I'm going to start new. I'm going to put a new coat on tonight and I'm not going back. Some of you need to tell the devil to go to hell. Because he's been running roughshod over you and you feel like it's over, but it's not over. It's not over till he says it's over. How many times in my life did it look like it was over? Each time I have risen up from the ashes. Amen. And I'm standing here tonight. I'm standing tall yes. and strong and healthy and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Praise God. Because there's no quit in me. Amen. Now anybody can quit. Anybody, that's the easy thing. Quitting is easy. Yeah. You know. Any old dead fish can float downstream. <laughs> but it takes a live fish to swim against the current. My dad put a golf club in my hand when I was about five years old. My dad was an avid golfer. He loved to play golf. He didn't start till he was about 30. But he put a club in my hand when I was five. And we, we lived on a ranch outside of Tulsa, about 350 acre ranch. And he, put a, he cut a golf club down for my size and put a ball down on the grass and said, swing like this. And I did. And I hit the first shot right through our living room window. <laughs> and my mother came out screaming and hollering, and I thought I was going to get a whipping. And my dad started laughing. And then suddenly my mother was laughing. And then I quit crying, and I started laughing. <laughs> and he, he, he trained me. He, he raised me. He taught me how to play. 
he would not let me hold the club the way I wanted to hold it. He would not let me stand the way I wanted to stand. He forced me to stand properly. He, he would not let me bend my left arm. He made me hold my left arm stiff, which is what helps keep the ball straight down the fairway. He wouldn't let me swing the way I wanted to swing. He forced me. He manhandled me so that I would do it correctly. And I would say to him, someday I'm going to beat you. Someday all this that you've been pouring into me is going to pay off. Someday. And I looked to the future. And one day when I was 14 years of age, we went out for a game of golf together and I beat him for the first time. He was stunned. He was happy and angry at the same time. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, Dad, thank you for all those lessons. You'll never beat me again. <laughs> and he didn't. <laughs> What's the point of the story? The point of the story is when you play golf, you have to stand a certain way and you have to swing a certain way and you have to stay down, just like life. You have to stay down on the ball. When you, you, can't, you can't swing and let your head go like this because if you do, your club head turns out to the right and so the ball just goes and slices off to the right. Anybody can quit. Anybody can quit on a swing. It's no problem to hit the ball to the right because all you have to do is quit. If you quit... The ball's going to go to the right. But if you stay down and through. And he taught me, he, he said, imagine, imagine a, a rope tied to your belly button and to your lip. And if you raise your head, you're going to rip your lip off. Lip off. And when you swing, keep that head down and through to where you hit the ball where it goes straight. And because of that, by the time I was... Uh, 14 or so, I was a junior champion and won many tournaments in my life because I was forced by someone who cared enough to make me stay with it Amen. and not quit. There you go. Anybody can quit. Anybody can quit. It's easy to quit. All you have to do is walk away. Right. Right. Come on. But God didn't call you to be a quitter. No. He called you to stand up strong and your head, head held up high. And say in the authority of Jesus' name, I have an anointing. I have a calling on my life. You say, well, now, wait a minute. I'm not a minister. I didn't say you were. Right. But no matter what arena of life you're in, you've got to have an anointing. Amen. If you're married, you need to be anointed. Yeah. If you're a school teacher, you need the anointing. Yeah. If you're working in a bank, you need, you need the anointing. Yeah. If you're working in an office, if you're an accountant, you need, a, you need an anointing. If you're raising children, you really need an anointing. <laughs> If you're homeschooling, you need an anointing. No matter what arena of life. Yes, of course, if you're in the ministry, you need an anointing. But people make the mistake of thinking just ministers need the anointing. And the anointing is for service. The anointing is so, so not so that you can say, look at me, I'm anointed. No, that's not what the anointing's for. The anointing is for service. And the anointing breaks the yoke. It destroys the yoke of bondage. And if Jesus had to be anointed, how much more do we need the anointing of God? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Well, if he had to have it, how much more do we have to have it? And the good news is, it's available for us. That's why we need to put on a bigger coat. 
and accept that anointing and do those things that he has shown us to do that we've not yet done. Yes. So I want you to stand up right now. And if you're receiving this message tonight, because I'm just about through, if you're receiving this message, I want you to say yes or no. Let me know. Yes. 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 Are you receiving this? Yes. Are you about ready to put on a bigger coat? Yes. Are you about ready to do those things that are in your heart that you know you haven't, haven't done yet? Are you about ready? Yes. You say, how? Oh, don't ask me how. That's not my job. I'm not in management. I'm in sales. It's not my job to tell you how to do it. You know, that's between you and God. But I promise you, if you'll open yourself up and say, okay, God, it's about time I'm going to do it, he will show you. Because he's not a God that he'll lie. So here's what I want you to do. If you're, if you're willing, if you're ready, and are you? We're ready. All right, reach around and take that coat. Take hold of it. And say, Father, Father tonight, tonight, in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Now, wait a minute, put your hands down. I got this wrong. Take off the coat you got on first. No, not I mean, I'm not physically. I'm talking about physically. We're going to take off the coat we're wearing, okay? Let's take it off. Just like I released those angels, and I thank God for them. God, I thank God for this coat I've been wearing. I'm taking it off now. All right, now put your hands up. I thank you, God, for correcting me on that. Now, take hold of that bigger coat. That's going to be big. It's going to be bigger than you think. Are you ready? Now put your arm in it. Put your arm in it and put it on. And say, Father, Father tonight, tonight, I'm putting on a bigger coat. I'm enlarging the place of my tent. I'm lengthening and strengthening. I'm lengthening and strengthening my stakes and my moorings. I'm enlarging the tent. I'm enlarging my surroundings. I'm putting this coat on, and it's going to help me to step into my future and what you've called me to do and what I'm going to do by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now lift your hands and begin to give him praise. Begin to give him praise. Begin to give him praise tonight. Father, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise him. Give him worship. We give you honor. We give you glory. Glory. Lord, we want to see your glory tonight. Hallelujah. Do you know that song, Glory, 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 Glory? Do you know that song? Glory to the Lamb. You know that? Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb, for He is glorious and worthy to be praised, the Lamb upon the throne. And unto you we lift our hands in praise, the Lamb upon the throne. We want to see your glory, Lord. Just lift your hands and call out for the glory. Remember, Moses was not allowed to see his face. God said, you, you, you can't handle that, but I'll show you my glory. And God's no respecter of persons. If he'll let Moses see the glory, he'll let us see his glory. 
You're not just some worm out there waiting for something bad to happen. You're not an accident waiting to happen somewhere. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were made only a little bit lower than the angels. Greater is he who's in you than he that's in the world. And you can do all things through him who strengthens you. You can do it. You're worthwhile. You're not an accident. You're God's child. You're special. You're a VIP to him. And you can do this. Now that new coat may feel a little heavy to you at first. But believe me, in a little while, you'll get used to it. I got used to it that night. And a new touch of the anointing came on my life. A new move of God, like I've never known, came into my life that night. And it's been strong ever since. And if he'll do that for me, he will do that for you. Now give the Lord praise tonight. Give him praise. Pastor Amber, what was that song you were singing just before uh, Pastor Chris came up? Before he came up, you were singing The Goodness of God. Can we sing that again? Could they, could you, I love that song. I, I'm, I'm trying to learn the words. I was reading. I was reading. I, I, I've heard it only a few times. I just love that. Can we sing that again? Yes. Though my life yeah. you have been faithful. Oh, sing it unto the Lord. Though my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Sing it out I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, lift your hands unto him tonight and sing it Oh, my life you have been faithful Has he been faithful to you? He'll never let you down. With every breath that I am able. Every breath I will sing. I will sing of the goodness. Oh, come on, lift your hands. Sing it one more time. Hallelujah. And all my life you have been faithful. Praise God. And all my life you have been so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God praise God somewhere out in the lobby there is a product table I brought some resources that are available one is my book Thrive Eliminating Lack from Your Life one is is uh, how to put a prayer cover over your life. If with all, with all this, what's happening in the world, yeah. what's happening in Israel with Hamas and Hezbollah, with uh, what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening with the dictator over Northern Korea and all that we see going on in our country. If ever there was a time we need a prayer cover, it's now. And then also a book called A Spirit of Excellence and a, a very special uh, uh, DVD CD, excuse me, uh, Your Secret Weapon, and that's the Holy Spirit. They're available out there. All my life I have been, you have been faithful. I'm trying to learn that song. Sing it one day. You have been faithful. I love that song. All my life 